Act Five of The Parson's Wedding by Thomas Killigrew. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Act Five, Scene One. Enter Fiddlers, Jolly, and Wanton. Oh, are you ready? Are you ready? Yes, and like your worship. And did you bid the cook chop lustily and make a noise? Yes, sir, he's at it. I hear the captain. Enter the captain. Have you brought clothes and ribbons? Yes, yes, all is ready. Did you hear them squeak yet? No, by this light. I think tis an appointment, and we have been all abused. Give the fiddlers their rebounds and carry the rest in. Mrs. Wanton, you must play my lady's woman today and mince it to all that come and hold up your head finely when they kiss you, and take heed of swearing when you're angry, and pledging whole cups when they drink to you. I'll warrant you for my part. Go, get you in, then, and let your husband dip the rosemary. Is all ready? All, all. Some of the company are below already. I have so blown it about, one porter is going to the exchange to invite Master Watts' merchant to his wedding, and, by the way, to bid two or three fruiterers to send in fruit for such a wedding, another in my lady's name to Saul's for sweetmeats. I swear Bradbourne in his shop myself that I wondered he would disappoint Master Wilde for his points, and having so long warning, he protested t'was not his fault, but they were ready, and he would send John with them presently. One of the watermen is gone to the melon garden, and other to Cook's at the Bear for some bottles of his best wine, and thence to Gracious Street to the Porterers, and all with directions to send in provisions for Master Wilde's wedding. And whom should I meet at the door but Apricot Tom and Mary, waiting to speak with her young master? They came to beg that they might serve the feast. I promised them they should, if they would cry it up and down the town to bring company, for Master Wilde was resolved to keep open house. Why, then, here will be witnesses enough. But who should I meet at the corner of the piazza but Joseph Taylor? He tells me there's a new play at the Friars today, and I have bespoke a box for Master Wilde and his bride. And did not he wonder to hear he was married? Yes, but I told him twas a match his aunt made for him when he was abroad. And I have spread it sufficiently at court, by sending to borrow plate for such a wedding. Enter a servant. There's half a dozen coachfuls of company lighted. They call for the bride laces and points. Let the fiddlers play, then, and bid God give them joy by the name of my lady careless and mistress wild. Where shall we play, sir? Come with us. We'll show you the window. Scene 2. The fiddlers play in the tiring room, and the stage curtains are drawn and discover a chamber, as it were, with two beds and the ladies asleep in them, Master Wilde being at Mistress Pleasant's bedside and Master Careless at the widow's. The music awakes the widow. Niece, niece, niece Pleasant. She opens the curtain and calls her. She is under a canopy. Ha! Huh, I hear you, I hear you. What would you have? Do you not hear the fiddlers? Yes, yes, but you have waked me from the finest dream. A dream? What was it? Some knavery? 
Why, I know not, but twas merry, e'en as pleasing as some sins. Well, I'll lie no more in a man's bed, for fear I lose more than I get. Hark, that's a new tune. Yes, and they play it well. This is your janty nephew. I would he had less of the father in him. I'd venture to dream out my dream with him. Oh, my conscience, he's worth a dozen of my dull servant. That's such a troublesome visitant, without any kind of conveniency. Aye, aye, so are all of that kind. Give me your subject lover. Those you call servants are but troubles, I confess. What is the difference, pray, betwixt the subject and the servant lover? Why, one, I have absolute power over, the others at large. Your servant lovers are those who take mistresses upon trial and scarce give them a quarter's warning before they are gone. Why, what do you subject lovers do? I'm so sleepy. Do? All things for nothing. Then they are the diligentest and the humblest things a woman can employ. Nay, I have seen some of them tame and run loose about a house. I had one once, by this light. He would fetch and carry, go back, seek out. He would do anything. I think some falconer bred him. By my troth, I am of your mind. He would come over for all my friends. But it was the doggedest thing to my enemies. He would sit upon his tail before them and frown like John and Apes when the Pope is named. He heard me once praise my little spaniel bitch smut for waiting and hang me if I stirred for seven years after, but I found him lying at my door. And what became of him? Faith, when I married, he forsook me. I was advised since that if I would have spit in his mouth sometimes, he would have stayed. That was cheap, but tis no certain way, for it is a general opinion that marriage is one of the certainest cures for love that one can apply to a man that is sick of the sighings. Yet, if you were to live about this town still, such a fool would do you a world of service. I'm sure a secret will miss him. He would always take such a care of her. He has saved her a hundred walks for hoods and masks. Yes, and I was certain of the earliest fruits and flowers that the spring afforded. By my troth, twas foolishly done to part with him. A few crumbs of your affections would have satisfied him, poor thing. Thou art in the right. In this town there's no living without em. They do more service in a house for nothing than a pair of those, what do you call em's, those he-waiting women beasts that custom imposes upon ladies. Is there none of them to be had now, think you? I'd fain get a tame one to carry down into the country. Faith, I know but one breed of them about the town that's right, and that's at the court. The lady that has them brings them up all by hand. She breeds some of them from very puppies. There's another wit too in the town that has of them, but hers will not do so many tricks. Good, sullen, diligent waiters those are which she breeds, but not half so serviceable. How does she do it? Is there not a trick in it? Only patience. But she has a heavy hand with them, they say, at first, and many of them miscarry. She governs them with signs, and by the eye, as Banks breeds his horse. 
there are some too that arrive at writing and those are the right breed for they commonly betake themselves to poetry and if you could light on one of them twere worth your money for tis but using of him ill and praising his verses sometimes and you are sure of him for ever but do they never grow surly aunt not if you keep them from raw flesh for they are a kind of lion lovers and if they once taste the sweet of it they'll turn to their kind lord aunt there will be no going without one this summer into the country pray let's inquire for one either a he one to entertain us or a she one to tell us the story of her love tis excellent to bedward and makes one as drowsy as prayers faith niece this parliament has so destroyed em and the platonic humour that tis uncertain whether we shall get one or no your leading members in the lower house have so cowed the ladies that they have no leisure to breed any of late their whole endeavours are spent now in feasting and winning close committee men a rugged kind of sullen fellows with implacable stomachs and hard hearts that make the gay things court and observe them as much as the foolish lovers used to do yet i think i know one she-lover but she is smitten in years of the wrong side of forty i am certain she is poor too and in this lean age for courtiers she perhaps would be glad to run this summer in our park dear aunt let us have her has she been famous has she good tales think you of knights such as have been false or true to love no matter which she cannot want cause to curse the sex handsome witty well-born and poor in court cannot want the experience how false young men can be her beauty has had the highest fame and those eyes that weep now unpitied have had their envy and a dazzling power and that tongue i warrant you which now grows hoarse with flattering the great lawbreakers once gave law to princes was it not so aunt lord shall i die without begetting one story penthesilea nor all the cloven knights the poets treat of clad in mightiest petticoats did her excel for gallant deeds and with her honour still preserved her freedom my brother loved her and i have heard him swear minerva might have owned her language an eye like pallas juno's wrists a venus for shape and a mind chaste as diana but not so rough never uncivilly cruel nor faulty kind to any no vanity that sees more than lovers pay nor blind to a gallant passion her maxim was he that could love and tell her so handsomely was better company but not a better lover than a silent man thus all passions found her civility and she a value from all her lovers but alas niece this was which is a sad word was handsome and was beloved are abhorred sounds in women's ears the fiddlers play again hark the fiddlers are merry still 
Will not secret have the wit to find us this morning, think you? Fiddler within. God give you joy, Master Careless. God give your ladyship joy, my lady wild. What did the fellow say? God give me joy? As I live, I think so. God give you joy, Mistress Pleasant Wild. This is my nephew. I smell him in this knavery. Why did they give me joy by the name of Mistress Wild? I shall pay dear for a night's lodging, if that be so, especially lying alone. By this light there is some knavery afoot. All the company confused without, and bid God give them joy. Rise, rise for shame. The years are for you. Why, Ned Wild? Why, Tom, will you not rise and let's in? What, is it not enough to steal your wedding overnight, but lock yourselves up in the morning too? Or your friends stay for points here and kisses from the brides? A little patience. You'll give us leave to dress us. The women squeak when they speak. Why, what's o'clock, Captain? It's late. Faith, so it was before we slept. Why, nephew, what means this rudeness? As I live, I'll fall out with you. This is no jest. No, as I live, aunt, we are in earnest. But my part lies here, and there's a gentleman will do his best to satisfy you. They catch the women in their arms. And, sweet Mistress Pleasant, I know you have so much wit as to perceive this business cannot be remedied by denials. Here we are, as you see, naked, and thus have saluted hundreds at the window that passed by, and gave us joy this morning. Joy? Of what? What do you mean? Madam, this is visible, and you may coy it, and refuse to call me husband, but I am resolved to call you wife, and such proofs I'll bring as shall not be denied. Careless kisses the widow. Promise yourself that. See whether your fine wits can make it good. You will not be uncivil? Not a hair, but what you give, and that was in the contract before we undertook it, for any man may force a woman's body, but we have laid, we will force your mind. But that needs not, for we know by your discourse last night and this morning we are men you have no aversion to, and I believe if we had taken time and wooed hard this would have come of course, but we had rather win you by wit, because you defied us. "'Tis very well, if it succeed. "'And for my part, but for the jest of winning you, "'and this way, not ten jointures should have made me marry. "'This is a new way of wooing. "'Tis so, madam, but we have not laid our plot so weakly, "'though it were sudden to leave it in anybody's power "'but our own to hinder it. "'Do you think so? "'We are secure enough, if we can be true to ourselves.' Yet we submit in the midst of our strength, and beg you will not willfully spoil a good jest by refusing us. By this hand we are both sound, and will be strangely honest, and never in ill humours, but live as merry as the maids, and divide the year between the town and the country. What say you? Is it a match? Your bed is big enough for two, and my meat will not cost you much. I'll promise nothing but one heart, one purse betwixt us, and a whole dozen of boys. Is the bargain? Not if I can hinder it. As I live. Faith, Mistress Pleasant, he hath spoken nothing but reason, and I'll do my best to make it good. Come, Faith, teach my aunt what to do, and let me strike the bargain upon your lips. 
No, sir, not to be half a queen. If we should yield now, your wit would domineer for ever, and still in all disputes, though never so much reason on our side, this shall be urged as an argument of your master-wit to confute us. I am of your aunt's mind, sir, and if I can hinder it, it shall be no match. Why, then no, it is not in your powers to prevent it. Why, we are not married yet. No, tis true. By this good light, then, I'll be dumb forever hereafter, lest I light upon the words of marriage by chance. Tis hard when our own acts cannot be in our own power, gentlemen. The plot is known only to four, the minister and two that stood for fathers, and a simple country maid that waited upon you last night, which plays your chambermaid's part. And what will all these do? Why, the two friends will swear they gave you, the parson will swear he married you, and the wench will swear she put us to bed. Have you men to swear we are married? And a parson to swear he did it. Yes. yes. And a wench that will swear she put us to bed? Yes, by this good light, and witness of reputation. There they or you would look us in the face and swear this? Yes, Faith, and all but those four know, no other but really it is so, and you may deny it, but I'll make Master Constable put you to bed with this proof at night. Pray, let's see these witnesses. Call in the four only. Exit, careless. Well, this shall be a warning to me. I say nothing, but if ever I lie from home again... I'll lie with you. Tis well. I dare say we are the first women, if this take, that ever were stolen against their wills. I'll go call the gentleman. Exit, wild. I that have refused a fellow that loved me these seven years, and would have put off his hat, and thanked me to come to bed, to be beaten with watchmen's staves into another's. For by this good light, for aught that I perceive, there's no keeping these out at night. And unless we consent to be their wives today, Master Justice will make us their whores at night. Oh, oh, what would not I give to come off? Not that I mislike him, but I hate they should get us thus. Enter Wild, Jolly, Captain, Careless, Parson, Wanton, with rosemary in their hands and points in their hats. Follow. Will not you two swear we were married last night? Yes, by this light will we. we. Will you not swear you married us? Yeah, fairly. And come hither, pretty one. Will not you swear you left us all abed last night and pleased? Yes, forsooth. I'll swear anything you worship shall appoint me. But, gentlemen, have you no shame, no conscience? Will you swear false for sport? By this light I'll swear. If it be but to vex you, remember you refuse me. Aside. That is contrary to covenants, though, with my brace of lovers. What will they do with their coachman's plot? But tis no matter. I have my ends, and so they are cousined. I care not who does it. In faith, madam, I have sworn many times false to no purpose, and I should take it ill, if it were mine own case, to have a friend refuse me an oath upon such an occasion. And are you all of one mind? Verily, we will all swear. Will you, verily? What shall we do, aunt? <laughs> do you laugh? By this light, I am heartily angry. 
Why, as I live, let's marry them, aunt, and be revenged. Marry? Where's the parson? Here, here, Master Parson. Come and do your office. That fellow? No, by my troth, let's be honestly joined, for luck's sake. We know not how soon we may part. What shall we do for a parson? Captain, you must run and fetch one. Yes, yes, but methinks this might serve turn. By this hand he's a marshal and a case, by sire and dam. Pray try him. By this light he comes of the best preaching kind in Essex. Not I, as I live. That were a blessing in the devil's name. A pox on your wedding. Give me my wife and let me be gone. Nay, nay, no caller, parson. The ladies do not like the colour of your beard. No, no, fetch another, and let him escape with that trick. Then they'll jeer your beard's blue, I faith. By this hand, he's in the right. Either this parson, or take one another's words. To bed now, and marry when we rise. As I live, you come not here till you are married. I have been nobody's whore yet, and I will not begin with my husband. Will you kiss upon the bargain, and promise before these witnesses not to spoil our jest, but rise and go to church? And what will Master Constant and Master Sad say? Why, I'll run and invite them to the wedding, and you shall see them expire in their own garters. No, no, ne'er fear it. Their jest is only spoiled. Their jest? What jest? Faith, now you shall know it, and the whole plot. In the first place your coachman is well whose death we, by the help of secret, contrived, thinking by that trick to prevent this danger, and carry you out of town. But had they this plot? Yes, faith, and see how it thrives. They'll fret like carted boards when they hear this news. Why, aunt, would you have thought Master Sad a plotter? Well, tis some comfort we have them to laugh at. Nay, faith, then, gentlemen, give us leave to rise, and I'll take my venture, if it be but for revenge on them. Gentlemen, bear witness. Come, come away, I'll get the point. I'm glad the coachman's well. The rogue had like to have spoiled our comedy. Exuant Omnis Scene 3 Enter the Lady Lovell, Master Sad and Constant, undressed, and buttoning themselves as they go. Married? And to them, I, married, if you prevent it not, catched with a trick, an old stale trick. I've seen a ballad on it. We shall go near to prevent him. Boy, my sword. Enter, Captain. Whither so fast? You guess. If you mean the wedding, you come too late. Why, are they married? No, but lustily promised. We may come time enough to be revenged, though. Upon whom? Yourselves, for you are only guilty. Who carried them thither last night? Who laid the plot for the coachman? Why, do they know it? Well, you'll find the poet a rogue. Tis he that has betrayed you. And if you'll take my counsel, be revenged upon him. Nay, we were told he did not love us. By my life you wrong him. Upon my knowledge the poet meant you should have them. Why... Who had the power to hinder, then? I know not where the fort lies directly. They say the wits of the town would not consent to it. They claim a right in the ladies as orphan wits. The wits? Hang em in their strong lines. 
Why, I such a clinch as that has undone you, and upon my knowledge, twere enough to hinder your next match. Why, what have they to do with us? I know not what you have done to disoblige them, but they crossed it. There was amongst them to a pair of she-wits, something stricken in years. They grew in fury at the mention of it, and concluded you both with an authority out of a modern author. Besides, tis said you run naturally into the sixpenny room and steal sayings, and a discourse more than your pennyworth of jests every term. Why, just now you spit out one jest stolen from a poor play, that has but two more in five acts. What conscience is there in it, knowing how dear we pay poets for our plays? Twas, madam, with the ill face, one of those whom you refused to salute the other day at Chip's house. A cheesecake had saved all this. Why do you not make haste about your business, but lose time with this babbler? Madam, will you give us leave to make use of your coach? You may command it, sir. When you have done, send him to the exchange. We're all dispatch a little business, and be with you immediately. Exuant all but the captain. So this fire is kindled. Put it out that can. What would not I give for a peeper's place at the meeting? I'll make haste, and it shall go hard, but I'll bear my part of the mirth too. Exit. Scene four. Enter. Widow. Pleasant. Careless. Wild. Parson. Jolly, wanton, and secret. The fiddlers play as they come in. Master Jolly, I find I am naturally inclined to mirth this day, and methinks my corns ache more than my horns, and that to a man that has read Seneca, a cuckold ought to be no grief, especially in this parish, where I see such droves of St. Luke's clothing. There's little secret, too, the alley of waiting woman, makes me hope she may prove metal of the parson's standard. Find a way to rid me of wanton, and I'll put in to be chaplain to this merry family. If I did not unveil formal secret, you should hang me. I know the trick on it. Tis but praying to and preaching of the waiting woman, then carefully seeing her cushion laid, with her book and leaf turned down, does it, with a few anagrams, acrostics, and her name in the register of my Bible. These charm the soft-souled sinner. Then sometimes to read a piece of my sermon, and tell her a Saturday where my text shall be. Spells that work more than filters. If you can be serious, we'll think of this at leisure. See how they eye wanton. What, consulting parson? Let us be judges betwixt you. Do you hear, Jack? If he offers ready money, I counsel as a friend. Take it. For, by this light, if you refuse it, your wife will not. Do you see those gay petticoats? Yes, if you mean my wife's. You know they're his, and she only wears them for his pleasure. And tis dangerous to have a wife under another man's petticoats. What if you should find his breeches upon her? Are you not married too? Take care that yours does not wear the breeches, another kind of danger, but as troublesome as that, or sore eyes. And if she gets but a trick of taking as readily as she's persuaded to give, you may find a horn at home. I have seen a cuckold of your complexion. If he had had as much hoof as horn, you might have hunted the beast by his lot. How fine she is! And by this light a handsome wench. 
Master Jolly, I am easier persuaded to be reconciled to your fault than any man's I have seen of this kind. Her eyes have more arguments in them than a thousand of those that seduce the world. Hang me if those quivers be not full of darts. I could kiss that mouth myself. Is this she my aunt quarrelled with you for? The same, self-same, and by this hand. I was barbarous to her, for your aunt's sake, and had I not scaped that mischief of matrimony, by this light I had never seen her again, but I was resolved not to quit her, till I was sure of a wife, for fear of what has followed. Had I been such an ass to have left her upon the airy hopes of a widow's oaths, what a case had I been in now? You see your aunt's provided of a man. Bless him and send him patience. T'would have been fine to have seen me walking, and sighing upon cold hunting, seeking my whore again, or forced to make use of some common mercenary thing, that sells sin and diseases, crimes, penance, and sad repentance together. Here's consolation and satisfaction in wanton, though a man lose his meal with the widow, and faith be free. How do you like my girl? rid thee of her. What does she want now, pray, but a jointure, to satisfy any honest man? Speak your conscience, ladies. Don't you think a little repentance hereafter will serve for all the small sins that good nature can act with such a sinner? Pray, sir, remember she's my wife, and be so civil to us both as to forget these things. For that, Jack, we'll understand hereafter. "'Tis but a trick of youth, man, and her jest will make us both merry, I warrant thee. "'Pray, sir, no more of your jests, nor your jack. Remember my coat and calling. "'This familiarity, both my wife and myself, is not decent. "'Your clergy with Christian names are scarcelled good Christians.' "'I wonder at nothing so much as Master Jolly's mirth to-day. "'Well, I's his part of the jest.' cozened or refused by all not a fish that stays in his net no what's this jolly hugs wanton show me a fairer in all your streams nor is this my single joy who am pleased to find you may be cozened rejoice to see you may be brought to lie with a man for a jest let me alone to fit you with a trick too faith it must be some new trick for thou art so beaten at the old one, twill neither please thee nor her. Besides, I mean to teach her that myself. I shall never be perfectly quiet in my mind till I see somebody as angry as myself. Yet I have some consolation, when I think on the wise plot that killed the coachman, how the plague Red Cross and Halbert has cut their fingers that designed it. Their anger will be perfect. Secret says they are coming, and that the Lady Lovell has given him the alarm. Enter, sad and constant. And see where the parties come, storms and tempests in their minds. Their looks are daggers. Servant, what, you're melancholy and full of wonder. I see you have met the news. Yes, madam. We have heard a report that will concern both your judgment and your honour. Alas, sir, we're innocent. Tis mere predestination. All weddings, Master Sad, you know, go by chance, like hanging. And I thank my stars I have escaped hanging. 
To have been his bride had been both. This is not like the promise you made us yesterday. I truly, servant. I scarce know what I do yet. The fright of the plague has so possessed my mind with fear that I could think and dream of nothing last night but of a tall black man that came and kissed me in my sleep and slapped his whip in mine ears. "'Twas a saucy ghost, not unlike my coachman that's dead, "'and accused you of having a hand in his murder "'and vowed to haunt me till I was married. "'I told my niece the dream.' "'Nay, the ghost sighed and accused secret "'and master sad of making him away. "'Confess, Faith, had you had a hand in that bloody jest?' "'Fie, servant, could you be so cruel "'as to join with my woman against me?' "'Tis well, ladies. Why a pox do you look at me? This was your subtle plot. A pox on your clerk's wit. You said the jest would beget a comedy when twas known, and so I believe twill. "'Madam, I find you have discovered our design, whose chief end was to prevent this mischief, which I doubt not, but you'll both live to repent your share of.' Before you have done travelling to the Epsoms, Bourbon, and the Spas, to cure those travelled diseases these knights errant have with curiosity sought out for you. Tis true, they are mischiefs that dwell in pleasant countries. Yet those roses have their thorns, and I doubt not but these gentlemen's wit may sting as well as please sometime and you may find it harder to satisfy their travelled experience than to have suffered our home-bred ignorance. Hark, if he be not fallen into a fit of his cousin, these names of places he has stolen out of her receipt-book, amongst all whose diseases find me any so dangerous, troublesome, or incurable as a fool, a lean, pale, sighing, coughing fool, that's rich and poor both being born to an estate without a mind or heart capable to use it, of a nature so miserable he grudges himself meat, nay, they say, he eats his meals twice, a fellow whose breath smells of yesterday's dinner and stinks as if he had eat all our suppers over again. I would advise you, Master Sad, to sleep with your mouth open to air it or get the brewer to tun it. For... An empty justice that stinks of the lees and casks and belches Littleton Plowden's cases. Dost thou think any woman that has wit or honour would kiss that bunghole? By this light his head and belly look as blue and lank as French rabbits or stale poultry. Alas, sir, my lady would have a husband to rejoice with, no green-tailed lecturer to stand sentry at his bedside while his nasty soul scars through him, sneaking out at the back door. These, sir, are diseases which neither the spore or bath can cure. Your garters and willow are a more certain remedy. Well, sir, I find our plots betrayed, and we have patience left. Tis that damned captain has informed. Yet tis one comfort, madam, that you have missed that man of war, that knight of Finsbury. His dowager, with ale and switches, would have bred a ballad. Faith, sir, you see what a difficulty it is in this age for a woman to live honest, though she have a proper man for her husband. Therefore it behooves us to consider whom we choose. The lady has reason, for being allowed but one, 
who would choose such weasels as we see daily married, that are all head and tail, crooked, dirty, sordid vermin, predestined for cuckolds, painted snails with houses on their backs, and horns as big as Dutch cows. Would any woman marry such? Nay, can any woman be honest, that lets such hodmondods crawl o'er her virgin breast and belly, or suffer em to leave their slimy paths upon their bodies only for jointures? Out! "'Tis mercenary and base. "'The generous heart has only the laws of nature "'and kindness in her view. "'And when will she oblige? "'Friend is all the ties that nature seeks, "'who can both bear and excuse those kind crimes. "'And I believe one as poor as the despised captain "'and neglected courtier "'may make a woman as happy in a friendship as Master Sad, "'who has as many faults as we have debts one whose father had no more credit with nature than ours had with fortune, whose soul wears rags as well as the captain's body. Nay, then I'll laugh, <laughs> for I perceive you're angrier than we. Alas, he has lost both ventures, Wanton and the widow. Both. And neither so unlucky as to be thy wife. Thy face is hanged with blacks already we may see the bells toll in thy eyes. A bride and a wedding shirt, a sexton and a winding sheet, a scrivener to draw up jointures, a parson to make thy will. Man, by this light he's as chap-fallen as if he had lain under the table all night. Faith, Master Sad, he's policy in the right. Ne'er think of marrying in this dull clime. Wedlock's trade you'll ne'er go through with. Wives draw bills upon sight, and twill not be for your credit to protest them. Rather follow my counsel, and marry, a la Venetiano, for a night and away. A pistol jointure does it. Tis but repenting in the morning, and leave your woman and the sin both in the bed. But if you play the fool like your friends, and marry in serious earnest, you may repent it too, as they do. But where's the remedy? This is spoken a little aside. What was it you said, sir? Do you repent? By this hand, widow, I don't know, but we have pursued a jest a great way. Parson, are you sure we are married? Yes, I warrant you, for they're escaping. They're escaping. Fool, thou mistakest me. There's no fear of that. But I would fain know if there be no way for me to get out of this noose. No hole to hide a man's head in from his wedlock. Not any, but what I presume she'll show you anon. Hum, do now I feel all my fears flowing in upon me. Wanton and Mistress Pleasant both grow dangerously handsome. A thousand graces in each I never observed before. Now just now, when I must not taste, I begin to long for some of their plums. Is this serious, sir? Yes, truly, widow, sadly serious. Is there no way to get three or four mouthfuls of kisses from the parson's wife? This is sad, sir, upon my wedding day, to despise me for such a common thing. As sad as I could wish. This is a jest, makes me laugh. <laughs> common. No, madam, that's too bitter. She's forced only, where the royal chase is as free as fair. Were not you a widow today? Yes, faith, girl, and as foolish a one as ever coach jumbled out of joint. 
Stay then till tomorrow and tell me the difference betwixt us. I hope thou'lt prove a she-prophet. Could I live to see thee turn honest wife, and she the wanton widow? I cannot but laugh, to see how easy it is to lose or win the opinion of the world. A little custom heals all, or else what's the difference betwixt a married widow and one of us? Can any woman be pure, or worth the serious sighing of a generous heart, that has had above one hand laid upon her? Is there place to write above one lover's name, with honour in her heart? Tis indeed for one a royal palace, but if it admits of more, a hospital or an inn at best, as well as ours, only off from the road and less frequented. Shrewdly urged. And though the sins of my family threw me into want, and made me subject to the treachery of that broken faith, to whose perjury I owe all my crimes, yet still I can distinguish betwixt that folly and this honour, which must tell you, he or she, that would be thought twice so, was never once a lover. Parson, thou art fitted, a whore and apothegrams. What sport will she make us, under a tree with a salad and sayings in the summer? Come, wanton, no fury. You see my aunt's angry. So am I, sir, and yet can calmly reason this truth. Married widows, though chaste to the law and custom, yet their second hymens make that, which was but dying in the first husband's bed, a stain in the second sheet, where all their kindness and repeated embraces want their value, because they're solid and have lost their lustre. By this light, I'll go to school to wanton. She has opened my eyes, and I begin to believe I have escaped miraculously. By this hand, wench... I was within an inch of being married to this danger, for what can we call these second submissions but a tolerated lawful mercenariness, which, though it be a rude and harsh expression, yet your carriage deserves it? Fie, Master Sad, pray leave being witty. I fear it is a mortal sin to begin in the fifth act of your days. Upon an old subject, too, abusing of widows because they despise you. Alas, niece, let him alone. He may come in for his share. The parson that has so oft received him will not refuse him tithes there in charity. That or conveniency, interest or importunity, may by your example prevail. But is not fair play, madam, to turn your lover to the common, as you call it, now his rid lean in your service. Take heed, Master Careless, and warning, Master Sad. You see how fit for the scavenger's team your ladies leaves her lovers. Such a lecture! Before I had married, I would have made me have considered of this matter. Dost thou hear, Wanton? Let us forgive one another being married, for that folly has made us guilty alike. And I would fain know the difference betwixt us and a wedding crime, which is worst, to let love, youth, and good humour betray us to a kindness, or to be gravely seduced by some aunt or uncle, without consideration of the disparity of age, birth, or persons, to lie down before a jointure. Ladies, you may flatter yourself, but the ingenious part of the world cannot deny but such minds, had they been born where our faults are not only tolerated but protected, would have listened to the same things. Interest counsels there are too. Parson, what boot betwixt our wives either come to a price or draw off your doxy propose propose here will be mirth anon yes yes propose while i break it to your lady madam you see here's a proper man to be had and money to boot what dumb no she's only thinking faith madam 
Try and birth to-night and choose to-morrow. Come, no more of this. Aunt, take my word for your husband, that have had more experience of him than all these. Tis true he will long for these girls, as children do for plums, and when has done, make a meal upon cheese. And you must not wonder or quarrel at what he says in his humour, but judge him by his actions. And when he is in his fit and raves most, put him into your bed, and fold him close in your arms, aunt. And if he does not rise as kind and as good a husband as he that sings psalms best, hang me? Why, you're a fool, aunt, a widow, and dislike a longing bridegroom. I thought you had known better. Do you love a spurred horse rather than a ducker that neighs and scrapes? I would not say this, but that I know him. Let him not go out of your sight, for he's now in season, a ripe, mature husband. No delays. If you let him hang longer upon hope, his fruit will fall alone. You are merry, sir. But if I had known this humour... You'd have kissed him first. But being ignorant, let me make you blush. Come, a kiss and all's friends. She kisses careless, and he kisses her twice. How now, sir? Again? Again. Aunt, look to yourself. Mm, by this light, sweetheart, and I thank thee. Nay, widow, there's no jesting with these things. Kisses her again. Nay, I'm a lion in my love. Aware, puss, if you flatter me, for I shall deceive you. Since all are cozened, why should I be troubled at my fortune? Faith, gentlemen, what will you two give for a wife betwixt you? Faith, their mischiefs dear bought, though a man get em for nothing. I'm almost of his mind, and if other people find no more pleasure in a married life than I upon my wedding day, I'd pass my time in the piazza with the mountebank, and let him practice upon my teeth, and draw him too, ere he persuades the world of matrimony out of my mouth again. Ay, ay, Master Constant, you may laugh, you have missed a wife. Would I were in your case, the world should see how cheerfully I could bear such an affliction. Jack, I hae made my peace at home, and by seeing others shipwrecked will avoid the danger, and here resolve never to sigh again for any woman. Their weeds grow in every hedge, and transplanting of em thus to our beds gives certain trouble, seldom pleasure, never profit. Enter, Captain. See where the enemy comes. Now, if you be wise, arm, and unite against him as a common foe. He's come from his old lady, designing a reconciliation. The rogue's provident, and would fain have a nest for his age to rest in. Buff and feathers do well in the youth and heat of thirty, but in the winter of old age, captain at threescore, lame and lean, may lie with the almanac out of date. The parson's grown witty, and prophecies upon the strength of bright cake. If I guess all right, thou'lt be hanged, for tis a truth I have been endeavouring to make it appear her fears were mistaken in me, but I find the witch more implacable than the devil. The waiting woman is harder to forgive for her part than my lady. Faithful will not be reconciled. The merciless board is all fire and surd, no quarter. Bless me from an old waiting woman's wrath." She'll never forgive me the disappointing her of a promise when I was drunk. Her lady and she are coming, but in such a fury, I would not have the storm find you out in the street. Therefore I counsel you to avoid the boys, and take shelter in the next house. No, let's home, and with all diligence get our dinner to defend us, and let the porter dispute it at the wicket, till she signs articles of peace. Agreed. Agreed.
careless is kind to the widow as he goes out wild and pleasant go together jolly and the parson's wife go together see how they pair now tis not threescore year will part em now he has tasted a kiss or two parson i'll be your bride man tis well sir i shall have my time too ay by this hand nay we'll share fairly that's but reason wanton and since he grows tame use him kindly for my sake can any of you digest sponge and arsenic arsenic what's that an italian salad which i'll dress for you by jove or i walk in my canonical coat lined with horn death if i suffer this you shall have that damned courtier pluck on his shoes with the parson's musings fine a faith none but the small levite's brow to plant your shoeing horn seed in how now as he is going off the captain stays him prithee jack stay and say something to the gentleman by way of epilogue thou art a piece of scurvy poet thyself prithee oblige the author and give us a line or two in praise of his play i oblige him hang him and all his friends and hurt nobody yes i am likely to speak for him you see how i've been used to-day betwixt you i shall find a time to be revenged let go my cloak i have a province within of mine own to govern let me go who thy wife faith stay and give them an opportunity thy pain will be the sooner over you see tis a thing resolved betwixt them and now thou'rt satisfied in the matter be wise and silent who knows what good she may do thee another time i dare say if she had as many souls in her as she had men she'd bring thee a cure of herself let me go or i shall be as troublesome as you are injurious for all your titles sir lend me your cloak then to appear more decent you'd not have me present epilogue in buff horse and dunce with a red nose sir my business is praying not epilogues with that face by this light tis a scandal to see it flaming so near the altar thou look'st as if thou'st cried tope in the face of the congregation instead of amen thou art an ass tis proper there tis zeal and fervour in it and burns before the altar like the primitive lamps i cry thee mercy by this light he'll make it sacrilege anon to steal his nose thou'lt entitle the altar to that call was not kindled ex voto nay i will have your cloak take it would twere nessus's shirt for you and your poet's sake exit parson what does the rogue wish twere made of nettles captain puts on his cloak and addresses himself to speak the epilogue and is interrupted by lady lovell and faithful her woman who in haste and full of anger pull him by the cloak by your favour sir did you see any company pass this way none but the three brides and they are gone just before you hark the music will guide you the music plays is it certain then they're married yes lady i saw the church's rites performed why does your ladyship lose time in talking with this fellow don't you know him madam tis the rascally captain hid in a black cloak i know you sarah she has reason now i mark him better i should know that false face too see faithful there are those treacherous eyes still alas you mistake me madam i am epilogue now 
the captain's within, and as a friend, I counsel you not to incense the gentleman against the poet, for he knows all your story, and if you anger him, he'll put it in a play. But if you'll do friendly offices, I'll undertake, instead of your purr you lost to help you to the jewel. The Scotch dictionary will tell you the value of it. Let them go alone and fret not at their loss. Stay and take my counsel. It shall be worth three revenges. Well, what is, sir? They say you have a great power over the parson. If you can prevail with him to express his anger in some satiric comedy, for the knave has wit, and they say his genius lies that way, tell him 'tis expected he should be revenged upon the illiterate courtier that made this play. If you can bring this business about, I may find a way as epilogue to be thankful, though the captain abused you today. Think on it. Stephen is as handsome when the play is done as Master Wilde was in the scene. There's something of reason in what he says. Aside, but my friend, how shall one believe you? You that was such a rascal today in Buff, is it to be hoped you can be honest only with putting on a black cloak? Well, I'll venture once again, and if I have any power, he shall sting the malicious rascal, and I think he is fit for such a business. I'm sure he has the worst tongue, and a conscience that neither honour nor truth binds, and therefore 'tis to be believed. If he will rail in public, he may be even with your poet. I will clothe and feed him and his muse this seven years, but I will plague him. Secret told me, 'twas your poet too that pawned me today in the tavern. By my faith, did he? Nay, 'twas he that told me of your friendship with Jolly. I wonder the parson has been so long silent. A man of his coat and parts to be beaten with a pen by one that speaks sense by rote, like parrots. One that knows not why sense is sense, but by the sound. One that can scarce read, nay, not his own hand. Well, remember your promise. Leave it to me. He is yours, and if our plot take, you shall have all your shares in the mirth, but not the profit of the play. And the parson more than his tithe a second day. We will discourse of this some other time. And pray, dispatch what tis you have to say to this noble company, that I may be gone, for those gentlemen will be in such fury if I stay and think because we are alone. God knows what. Tis no matter what they think. Tis not them we are to study now, but these guests. To whom pray address yourself civilly, and beg that they would please to become fathers, and give those brides within. What say you, gentlemen? Will you lend your hands to join them? The match you see is made. If you refuse, Stephen misses the wench, and then you cannot justly blame the poet, for you know, they say that alone is enough to spoil the play. End of Act Five. End of the Parson's Wedding by Thomas Killigrew.